Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Many people in the STEM community know our guest as the founder of Handy Women, a 30,000-member Facebook group, which is all about DIY home improvement, building, and fixing by women. But Geraldine Anello is so much more than just that. She is a Broadway musician, author, speaker, and yes, published poet. Geraldine moved to New York City from France at the age of 20. As a musician, she has been a conductor, keyboardist, and pianist for many Broadway shows you've probably seen, including Kinky Boots, School of Rock, and Aladdin. She is the author of Music Sessions, featuring interviews with A-list musicians about the music business world. She recently celebrated the release of her new poetry book, Naked Truth, available on Amazon. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Geraldine. Woo, thanks for having me. (laughs) So glad you're here. So glad I'm here too. Yeah, when I first asked to interview you, it was because I knew you from Handy Women. Yay! And I mean, I had no idea you had this whole other career, this whole other Hazard Girls career as Broadway musician. Yeah, I do. I mean, that's what's so fun with Hazard Girls is because a lot of your community is more in construction and men dominated in a physical way kind of field. And I'm like, but in a way I fit in your community because, you know, Broadway up until now has been very much of a man dominated field. It's currently changing. There's a lot of efforts toward it not being that, but it's like, yeah, I guess men feels is my thing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Your whole background is really fascinating. Can you tell us a little bit about it, where you grew up and what it was like there? Oh, yeah. So I'm French, but I did not grow up in mainland France. I actually grew up on a small island off the coast of South Africa. It's next to, for those of you who are trying to guess, uh, it's a fun guess game. So there's South Africa. Next to it, there's a set of a few islands. You've got Madagascar, which is the most famous, Mauritius, a little bit of the Seychelles a bit further. But my island I grew up on is called the Reunion Island, just like a reunion, you know, when you meet people, because there were so many people that moved there. So I grew up there for eight years very different culturally from mainland France, even though it's a French territory, the way Puerto Rico is, uh, you know, American. And I moved back to mainland France for my teen years, stayed in mainland France for those years, and then at 20, moved to the U.S. to never return. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Did you move to the U.S. by yourself? I sure did, which seemed like the most logical and normal thing to do at 20. And in hindsight, (laughs) feels like the craziest, badass move ever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, I moved because I got a scholarship. I was very fortunate that the director of my conservatory came to me and said, hey, we're looking for one of our students to take this opportunity to have a nine-month scholarship in Kalamazoo College in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And we think it would be great for you. And the minute he said it, I was gone. I knew it was mine. I knew this was the right thing for me. And so for me, when I left, I really thought it was just going to be a nine-month thing. I was like, oh, great. I'll learn English. You know, it's kind of a year off. I'll be able to figure out my next step. 
And it turned out the next step was to stay in the US, but I didn't know that when I left. So it wasn't a big move. Like I'm changing my whole life. It was like, oh, it's temporary nine months, you know? Yeah. So you did not speak English at the time? I sure did not. Now, did I know that when I said I would go? Not quite, because I had taken English classes, you know, like most French people for many years. But if you've been to France, you know that French people don't speak English. So I was one of the many French people that had taken English lessons for years and did not speak it. (laughs) So I showed up at the airport and somebody came to pick me up. And that's when it really landed, because I could not say a thing and I could not understand a thing. And it was like, oh, I see. I can't. And, you know, you know that that conversation is supposed to be the easy one, like the one where it probably went something like, hi, how are you? Yeah. How was your trip? And I could not manage that. And it was like, if you can't manage that, you're doomed. (laughs) So, yeah, I've come a long way. Yeah. Well, you certainly have. And it's great when you're that young and you don't know what you don't know and it doesn't stop you. (laughs) I mean, I had no option. It was sink or swim because there was really virtually no other French people in that area. I mean, there were two other French students, but they were both bilingual somehow. So they were not interested in speaking French with me because they could speak English with everybody else. Mm -hmm. So I I really just had to figure it out. And were your parents musicians also? No, just for fun. I think my dad played a little guitar when he was, you know, maybe in his early 20s. My mom had tried to take some piano lessons when I was maybe three. So I think that's when I, you know, we had a piano at home. And I think I would maybe see her practice. I don't have memories of that, but I think that's what happened. And I think I would just go and kind of plunk out a few notes. And that's when they realized I had an interest to it because I guess I was drawn to it regularly. Mm -hmm. But they were by no means musicians. My mother actually, however, is very much a cultured person. She loves the art. She's a French literature researcher of 18th century French literature. (laughs) So she's, she's very much an intellectual and, you know, an art lover, but not a musician of, you know, playing musician. So when did it click for you? When did you realize that you wanted to do this? As a living, you mean, or just play? Just as a musician. Oh, I mean, that was just something so obvious to me as a child. It was like, I really wanted to. And then I even remember my very first piano lesson. Like, that's how important it was to me. Hmm. They were at their friend's house. And I was alone at home with the nanny. And they came back, and I must have been four. And they're hurrying and they're like, hey, our friend's daughter had a piano lesson. We asked the piano teacher if she could give you a tryout and she's available right now. Come with us. And so they grabbed me and they sent me down this hallway at their friend's house. And I'm going there like a little scared. I'm four, right? And I'm by myself. So I go down the hallway and the door was a little bit open. And I saw this piano teacher who must have been, you know, pretty young, maybe, you know, late teens, early 20s in my memory. And she was just playing by herself and she played something technical where you just go through every single note of the piano in a row very, very fast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I thought that was the coolest thing I had ever seen my entire life. And to this day, when I do it as a pianist myself, I still am like, yeah, I could do it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And then, so you ended up going to Kalamazoo, Michigan. What brought you to New York City? How did you end up there? Well, you know, when I was in Michigan, that's when I really discovered more of musical theater. I already had a lot of pull towards it when I was in France, but it wasn't a a field in France. It's not really something where you do musicals in college and musicals in middle school. It just doesn't happen that way. So I had some idea that there was a combination of theater and music somewhere in the world, but didn't know what it looked like. In Michigan is when I started being able to play 
in musical theater classes, in musical theater productions. And I was like, well, this is kind of awesome for me. And so I think within a few years, it became kind of clear that at some point I would end up in New York. But it took me another, I don't know, maybe 10 years to get there, like through Michigan, Rhode Island, Virginia Beach, Colorado, Montana. Wow. <laughs> You've been living in all those different places? Yeah, I mean, I've visited 41 states, but many of them I've lived between one month and years. And was that just because you wanted to explore the state and you wanted to see what it was like, or was it for work? It was for work, you know? It's like when you're a musician, they call you to do gigs. You know, it's like, hey, do you want to do this show for two months in Denver? Well, sure, I've never been to Denver. Would love to discover the place, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, very adventurous. I love it. We talked a little bit at the beginning of our conversation about, you know, Hazard Girls and male-dominated fields. And, you know, I think Hazard Girls encompasses all different kinds of fields that are traditionally dominated by men and definitely includes classical music and Broadway music. But I'm just curious, what is the gender ratio like on Broadway now? Ooh, you know, so there are statistics, but I don't know them at the top of my head. So if anyone is listening to that to me and know them, I'm sorry in advance. I think it may be something like, 70% 70% men, 30% okay. women. But, you know, you have to think of it as far as, like, you can't just look at Broadway because, you know, if you're going to have a Broadway cast with actors, the characters obviously are going to influence what gender they have to be. But when you're looking at musicians, mm-hmm. where theoretically gender doesn't matter, if you play the piano the way the show needs you to play the piano, it doesn't matter what you look like and who you are. So if you're looking at musicians, now it's a much bigger discrepancy. And, you know, the tech as well, all the techies in the back, also there's more men. But there are a lot of efforts currently, particularly after the past year, for that to be shifted. And a lot of conversations in the Broadway community at all levels of ability of implementation that are really looking at taking steps to make it work. So do you feel like it's more recent that that's been happening? Yeah, there was some effort to bring specifically women into pits for the past few years, about, you know, three to five years. And there's been more more efforts since last year to also include, you know, diversity and mm-hmm. more, you know, trans LGBTQ kind of acceptance across the board, um, along with more women in the field. So just an overall diverse concept, <laughs> bringing that to Broadway. Okay, that's great. And I'm going to ask you in a minute, what your biggest challenge has been and how you overcame it. But just in general, how has your experience been? Would you say it's, it's been a positive experience as far as, you know, being a woman in the field that is mostly male dominated? For me, I've loved it. I have personally never had any issues. You know what I mean? I hear about a lot of things. I think actors have it much harder than musicians do. For me, I've been welcomed. A lot of men have helped me in my career. So, you know, I'm very sensitive to that as well, because, you know, I would not be where I am if it weren't for those men, you know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them, even when you're alone in a pit, you know, they're just there like, oh, cool, for once, we're like, we're not just like between us, we're gonna have to like, keep it classy, and they laugh about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you could see it as I don't want you to change who you are, because I'm around, but you can also see it as it's their way of welcoming me and making sure the environment is is a good environment for me. So I, I just love my men colleagues. Maybe I've just been particularly fortunate with who I've worked with, but I love it. I love working on Broadway. I love the ambience of the pits. It's really fun usually and very serious and studious. And everybody who's there is very talented. And so that's something at some point that talent is genderless. You know, it's kind of like, wow, these people are just playing the best 
ever. And I get to witness it just by getting by playing next to them. I get to see people being at the very top of their abilities at the top of the field. Like that still blows my mind. Yeah, it's so inspiring. I was talking recently with Judeline Cassidy, a feminist plumber, and she was saying that because she's a, she's in the, a, the trades, she's a plumber, and she was saying that if you are going to have a mentor in these male-dominated fields, chances are it's going to be a man, and it's going to be someone, and that's who's going to help you. So it's a very good chance that it's going to be a male helping you through these fields, and we do really appreciate our male allies, and it's great to hear that you've that's been your experience as well in Broadway. And I think, you know, something that really mattered to me and made a big difference was the book Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, because that book came out when I was in my, I don't know, early to mid 20s. Mm -hmm. And I really applied everything that was applicable in my field, because her field obviously was corporate. But any piece of advice she had that I could translate into my field, I did. And I do think that book made me make decisions in a different way and really helped. And so I really tried to help young women now when they come to me and they say, how can I do it? A lot of my advice comes directly from lean in. And so there's still a certain way you have to think of things and do things that's different from men as a woman that will help your career. You know, the, the two big takeaways for me from that book was she said, men are hired for their potential and women are hired for their experience. Mm. And so when you're in music, because there's so many different gigs, you can be called back for this by the same employer time and time and time again. Or you can go on to do other gigs for other employers. It's an option you have. And when I was in my mid-20s, I was like, well, which one is best? Do I need to show people that people hire me again and again? Is that a proof that I'm good? And when I saw that women were hired by experience, I made it my one mission to have as many lines on my resume as possible. And that mm -hmm. meant I would favor a new employer over a previous employer or a show, I should say, non-employer. It could be the same employer, but different show a new show rather than coming back to the same show just to get more lines. In early on in my career, I don't do that anymore. But I think that made a difference. That's amazing. That's great advice. Yeah, it's like little things like that you wouldn't think about, but she really brought that out in her book in such a great way. Well, what has been your biggest challenge in Broadway music? You know, my biggest challenge, I think, has been the same challenge as all musicians across all fields. And that is that it's a hard job because you are really only as good as your last show or your last performance. And that's really hard if you compare it to a traditional career where you can back up with like, oh, I made a mistake, but look at my 10 years of being amazing. It's a little bit harder in music. It could potentially make it much harder for you to get work after that, even though you may have had 10 or 15 amazing years before you. So that kind of like really high level at all times. And when you're looking at Broadway, the fact that you're playing the same show many times a week for many years on end makes it hard to stay focused. It doesn't necessarily become easier. It becomes a sort of a mind game of like, all of a sudden you could forget how to play something or you could start doubting yourself and be like, wait, where is this note on the keyboard? And you just have these mind games that, that start happening that we all go through. So it's a constant, constant level of focus that is yeah. hard to imagine when you haven't gone through it yourself. It's very different from other jobs in that sense. Well, speaking of that level of focus, do you take that level of focus into other areas of your life? Because I'm, of course, I'm thinking about the Handy Women group and, you know, how that must have come about. You're obviously interested in, in building and fixing things. Do you think that's related? 
Yeah, I think it's different because it's very organized, you know, for handy women. I know what I do and how I do it and why I do it. You know, I've been a community builder for 11 years. I have mm-hmm. multiple groups that have several thousand members. So that's really what I knew was my strength in creating Handy Women was that I knew I was the person that was going to be able to grow it and to carry it over years because it's a level of dedication on a daily that people don't realize if they don't do it. It's like a daily thing I do. And when I mean daily, I mean Saturday and Sunday included. I'm Mm -hmm. always taking care of the group. And because I've done it for so long with other groups, I know that's just part of who I am as a person. I find a great sense of mission and purpose by doing it. So in that sense, I bring organization. Now, the focus is different because I don't have to be focused the way I am when I play a Broadway show, when I'm accepting members' requests, when I'm posting a post. There's a level of you can fix a mistake. If I post a post and I put the wrong grammar, I can just edit it. If I, you know, yeah, you you can always kind of fix it in a group in a way that you can't on board. If you just made a mistake, well, whoops, too late. Everybody heard it. You know, in some mistakes, the audience will hear it. And you're like, damn it. (laughs) So, yeah. How did you become interested in handy woman work and fixing things? And yeah. Well, I really love the feeling of home. So I think for me, it really comes from that. I love, like, for me, I'm, I really like that, having a home. I'm, I'm surrounded by a lot of people, digital nomads, who, like, don't care to have a home. They don't care where they live. It makes no difference in their life. For mm-hmm. me, I love it. it. It's comfort for me, and, and it feels good. So I, along the lines of that, over the years, I've become a big proponent of feng shui. And so now, even when I'm renting a place temporarily, I will look for feng shui. Like, is it set up in a feng shui way? What are the colors? What can I do to make it more feng shui? And so a lot of it will involve, you know, putting up frames and things like that. And so for me, it just kind of came about in very small ways. Like I think it does for many, putting up frames, you know, filling holes in the wall, things like that. I always had, a, you know, a toolbox and things like that. But yeah, so when it came to the community, when I saw there wasn't that community and there was a need, well, I'm going to tell you the story. So I I go this one day and I'm like, okay, there's a need for a handy women community. And I'm looking around, I'm like, I can't believe it's not there. I'm like, well, I know for sure I'm the right person. Like I mentioned earlier, I know for sure I can carry this. I can grow it and I can make it be there for years in a very steady and reliable manner in a way that many people are not able to do because I've seen people try and fail many times. So I'm like, well, I'm the right person. There's a need. I'm going to do it. And I really, it took me a whole of a half hour, right? I didn't overthink (laughs) it. I just did it. I went on you know, did the design for the the banner, told people I did it, and then it started growing. And at that moment, I sit back and I'm like, as people are coming in the group, and I'm like, wait, but am I a handy woman? (laughs) That that big moment of pause, like and contemplating life decisions, as the group is literally like already starting and taking roots. And I'm like, and so I'm, I'm on my computer kind of having a moment of despair. And I look up and I have my feet up on my coffee table. And what I see on my coffee table next to my feet is my toolbox and my tools out. And I'm like, Oh, I guess my tools are here. So I must have done something. And I look around my apartment and I had just redone my entire apartment. And I had just done some furniture, some frames and all of that, like some very big one, not just like tiny ones. And I was like, Oh, I guess I do have that in me. Like I've always did. So I, you know, over the years now that we've done it, I mean, a year and a half of the community, I've realized, yes, I am definitely not the level of many of the members in there that are just incredible and will do very high level work. But I think also the vast majority of the membership is women like me. 
And mm-hmm. I think it serves the community that I am like them because when I'm curious about the topic, I'm interested in the topic, I'm learning. So that keeps me interested and engaged, but also mm-hmm. because I have the YouTube channel for it. And so when I do the YouTube channel and I'm interviewing women that are doing a lot of different projects at different levels, I know I'm asking the right questions for the vast majority of the audience because if I don't know something, I'm pretty sure a lot of others watching don't know it either, whether it's yeah. a word a tool, a process, because, you know, they will talk about it. They'll be like, oh, yeah, obviously this thing. And it's like, wait, what is that exactly? So I think it serves the community in a, in a perfect way. And it's interesting because at first I did it just out of the love of community building. But recently, a lot of business owners have started coming to me and they're like, wait, we really love what you're doing with your communities. Can you do that for us? And that's when I realized there was a need. So actually, thanks to those business owners that started hiring me, I now do it for others where I do consultancy. So if people are considering launching their own Facebook groups, they can come talk to me, determine the best name, determine the best strategy, what steps they need to do, what they need to think about. People who already have Facebook groups can come to me to figure out how to make it grow faster or what else they can do to improve it. And also do Facebook group management for businesses where I take care of their group for them. So tell us about the YouTube channel. You're, you're interviewing different women from the group about projects that they're working on? Yeah, it's kind of blended. We try different things, but yeah, it's kind of blended on project-based mostly. And, you know, we do things like repair, design, building. That's how we categorize it. And they just show us a, a project they've done, whatever it is. And, you know, usually they'll send some photos of before and after. We just talk through what they learn. It's very casual. I like to keep it very casual, very chill. The feeling is like, you're walking into somebody's house along with me, like you're my friend, you come with me. And then this person is like, oh yeah, I did this uh, cool flower shelves in front of this window to have privacy instead of curtains because I didn't want people to see in, but I still wanted the daylight. So we went with flower shelves and plant shelves. And it's like, we're going to talk about it for 10 minutes and how they went about that. And it's so fun. I love it. So it's clear that you love community building and you're also really into the handy woman stuff. I'm obsessed with handy women. Let me be clear. It's an obsession. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you're obsessed. Okay, we'll, we'll definitely use that word. <laughs> but are you planning on building an, a media company with this? Because I, you have the YouTube channel as well as this over 30,000 person group, which is pretty big. We're currently looking, I mean, I say we, I don't, I, it's a habit from Cheryl Sandberg. She said, as a woman, don't say I say we. And so now mm-hmm. I'm like, let's pick like a grand we. <laughs> looking at ways of serving the community. What is it that the members are saying they need? Does it exist? Does it not? And is there a way for us to make it work and do that? So, you know, it's very much a test and try and and see where it's going to land. So at the moment, it's kind of, you know, it's in the process of trying to see what could work as far as, you know, the mission of Handy Women is to inspire, support and celebrate women Mm -hmm. who want to or do their own handiwork. And so that's the part for me, the inspiration comes a lot from the YouTube channel, because you see women out, they're visible out in the world doing things and sometimes with their daughters, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. The support is the Facebook group. It's very much everybody helping each other. And then the celebration is where I'm looking at, you know, incorporating professional handy women in a way where they are, you know, maybe getting paid to bring to beginner handy women what the beginner handy women need and so giving them more of a, a spotlight if you will is, is the way so yeah. for me, it always comes down to the mission are we fulfilling our mission to inspire support and celebrate handy women awesome i love that 
Well, what are some DIY tips you can share that you've learned from some of these talented women that you're interviewing and that are in the group? They're so random and all over the place. But my favorite one is if you're going to change a toilet, make sure to carry the old toilet out up. Don't bring it over your shoulder, or over your head, because water will fall on you. I don't know why, <laughs> oh, but this one really <laughs> stuck with me because it's so graphic. Yes, and it is. It will just not leave your brain. So yeah, if you're changing your toilet, don't just <laughs> focus on the new toilet. Just when you bring the old one to the trash, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Oh, noted. <laughs> so I love that. You know, I think something that I did not anticipate to learn out of the community that I did is that even a lot of professional handy women, and I assume a handy men, they know when to hire out professionals. Mm-hmm. And I think I had this misconception that if you're a handy woman at a certain level, you're going to be able to do it all. And no. So, you know, I talked to one of our very advanced handy women who is one of the most senior moderators in the group, and she redid her entire kitchen. And she hired someone for cabinets. Now she did it in a hybrid way where I think she did some of it and he did some of it, but it was like, it was something where just by herself with her husband, it didn't seem like it was going to be the most beneficial use of time and money. Right. And that kind of comes back time and time again. So I think that really takes away a bit of a shame of like, I'm not a good enough handy woman if I have to hire someone. Hiring is normal and happens across the board. So that's a big thing to keep in mind. That makes sense because even a general contractor is, of course, hiring specialists in each area. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even things that are close by, like a plumber and a pipe fitter, they're dealing with some of the same thing, but they're not the same. So everything is so specific that it's okay also to have preferences. It's like, um, I mean, because I'm a musician, I'm going to compare it to music, but it's like, Mm -hmm. do you like music? Well, in and of itself, everybody will say yes. But what kind do you like? And you're going to say jazz and you're going to say Broadway and you're going to say pop. And you're going to say, you know, African beads. And it's the same with handiwork. You know, you may be interested in the design. You may be interested in restoring furniture. You may be interested in plumbing. And that's okay to kind of focus on that at first where you're feeling cold towards. Mm. You've got so many interesting things you're working on, Geraldine. And one of the reasons I find you so fascinating is that you are also a poet. And you recently released your first book, of poetry called Naked Truth, which is available on Amazon. Can you tell us what the book is about? Thanks. I'm so excited about it. I can't even tell you. So the book is called Naked. It is part of a three-part collection called Truth. And actually, I'm going to publicly announce this here for the first time. Nobody knows this yet. The second collection of this series is getting released in 10 days on June 21st. Yay. Thank you. That's exciting. Thank you so much. And that second collection is called Power. So that is already available on pre-release before it comes out. So everybody can go and purchase it right now. It's available on Kindle and paperback. Same for Naked. And so Naked is actually a chronological book. So you can read it as narration instead of just different poems that don't relate to each other. If you read Mm -hmm. Naked from the beginning to the end, you really get a story out of it. What I'm most proud of, I would say with it, is the feeling readers get with it is that they've told me they feel understood, they feel heard because in a way it puts into words feelings they've they've had in times Mm -hmm. of, you know, uh, when you're going through a breakup, when you're going through grief, when you're trying to branch out and maybe find it difficult at times. And then also there's a lot about it that's about nature 
and how we feel better when we're in proximity to nature a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So it's very much about love relationships and nature and and a path to self-discovery. I was reading some of the reviews and people are absolutely raving about the book. And I, I read that it is, someone said it's a very sad, raw and emotional exploration of a breakup. And I was wondering if that was accurate because I know you did mention it is about that a little bit. And also, you know, was it hard for you to make something so personal into a public work of art? Oh, that's such a great question. It was the worst. Like, (laughs) you know, putting your heart out there like that is hard. It is not for the faint of the heart at all. But to back up to your first question, yes, it was related to my own experience. I was in an eight-year relationship that was very serious that I thought was going to be for the rest of my life. And we're now in very good terms, you know, so it, it was the right thing that it ended. But I know the first year was very hard for me. And it was at the end of that year that I was like, surely there's a way to turn this pain into something good. And that's when I started just writing poems. And it just started pouring out of me, just like, you know, 10 at a time, just like I couldn't stop writing. I wouldn't write fast enough. So the writing was very cathartic. Now the editing process, putting it in a shape that worked for readers, that took a long time. That took a solid two years to do that part. It was really, it was a lot to go through, figure out, edit. So so it's uh, really readable. But then the process of publishing it, yes. I mean, right before you click launch, it's like, um, do what will people think of me? I mean, because you're also, the thing that's interesting is this represents a part of my life that I'm no longer in. I no longer feel that way. So it's really hard to put something out there that people will read as being you when you're like, well, it's a you of, it's a me of a couple of years ago, but not the current me. So there's a little bit of that. But it, now that it's published, I can't say that it's really led to problems in my life. Like I was afraid. <laughs> right. So, okay. So we've got so much going on. We've got Broadway music. I know, I know there are other things too that I couldn't even get to in this, in this episode, but Broadway music, your poetry book and your handy women group. I want to make sure everyone can find you and find your work in these three areas. So can you tell us a little bit more about where to find those? Yes. Handy women, handy women. It's a YouTube channel. So you can go handy women and you'll find it. And then handy women on Facebook is the community. And from there you can have everything you need so that that's where you find that. Broadway, I have a website as far as my work as a musician. It's GeraldineAnello.com, GeraldineAnello.com. But you can also find me, I'm very reachable on Instagram, Geraldine BCL, BCL, Geraldine BCL. And I'm also very available on Facebook under Geraldine Anello. You know, everybody can send me a friend request. Everybody can send me messages. I check even the other folder. (laughs) And for the poetry... You can buy Naked and the pre-release of Power on Amazon as Kindle or paperback. And you can follow my author's journey on my Instagram at Geraldine's Poetry. Amazing. And I love that Hazard Girls just broke that news of your new book coming out. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah, thanks for you know sharing with me the enjoyment of that moment. Well, Geraldine, you've brought beauty to the world in so many different ways through your music and writing, and now you're building community and inspiring handy women to do their own kind of creating. So thank you so much for joining us today on the Hazard Girls podcast. We're really glad to know you. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. 
That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.